Well, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 today. Before I get there, I would just like to take a moment and say that this is a... Obviously, I have alluded to the fact that this is a very special Sunday. Have you felt like you've been exalting God so far today? Now, I know that we've had the haka, we've had some other things, things going on. It's a celebration service. But I want to let you know one of the things I'm celebrating today is just a huge rarity in my life. My whole family, except for Jericho, thank you, Starbucks, for scheduling her today, my whole family is here together. And so I want to introduce you to my brother-in-law, Dave, right over here, and my sister, Jennifer. My son, Dylan, is somewhere. Where, where is Dylan? He's somewhere here. Um, I don't know, maybe he headed back to school already. Uh, and then Gentry, and obviously my wife. But I want to just take a moment to recognize a hero in my life, my father. And uh, his name is Donald Cook. <clears throat> we call him the Colonel. And this week he celebrates his 90th birthday. Shameless plug, hopefully I'm not out of the will now. All right, turn to 1 Corinthians 3. It has been a privilege to see what the Lord is doing in, through, and amongst us. This morning, we're talking about why Jesus. Jesus is paramount. Jesus is paramount. We can say a lot of things today, but if we miss the exaltation, the priority the preeminence of Jesus Christ, we have missed everything for why we gather today. This is about Jesus Christ. So here is my polemic. Why? Has anybody ever asked you why Jesus? And you probably didn't expect that from your pastor today, but I'm going to ask you, why Jesus? You know, there's a lot of people out there that are asking that question. I don't know if we've come up with a really good, sustainable answer. So in about five minutes, I'm going to try to provide one. Let's see if the Lord can make the sun go backwards while I'm preaching. There is a beautiful piece of architecture in downtown San Francisco. It is named the Millennial Tower. No, it's not the Millennial Tower. That was just a little joke. It's the Millennium Tower, like the Millennium Falcon. And so this morning as we start, we're talking about the importance of foundations. If you're going to start asking the question, why Jesus? I'm going to lead us through a series of critical thinking questions. Let's just assume this morning you're going to get challenged if you believe in Jesus Christ. If you are following him, my question to you is why? Why have you given up on these other things and said, I am going to dedicate myself in full devotion to follow someone I cannot see, I cannot touch, but I'm going to live my life for Jesus? Why? Maybe this morning you're here and you're saying, that's a great question, because I still don't have the answer. I'm not there yet. I'm still saying, why Jesus? Well, hopefully we can guide you through a series of critical thinking questions that will help you understand why 
a lot of people in this room have answered why Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3, 10-11 says this, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The Lord gave me this verse out of my special place on Catalina Island. I actually took video for my wife when I was up on a deck, and I said, all right, I'm moving down to my special spot. Let's see if the Lord speaks to me again. I kid you not, from that moment that I was on the deck to the moment I landed in the chair, God gave me this verse. This so applies to everything that's happening here at Concord Bible Church. You've, hear, you've heard the word build how many times already today? We're in build 1.0. Why are we there? Because the Lord is leading us there. So this morning, why don't we pause for just a moment, because this is a lot of work. We are exhausted from all the work that has happened here this week. Why would we do it? Because those walls look great? Yes. Yes. For those people that made those walls look great, I say yes. But I know those people. They didn't do it because they wanted to make the walls look great. Luke and his apprentice didn't install baseboard yesterday because they wanted to make the walls look great. A team of people didn't show up here in a crisis situation and assemble 15 tables for you when their pastor had to run to the airport. They didn't do that because they like tables. There are two guys standing out here right now barbecuing brisket, ribs, and tri-tip. I'm starving because while you were singing, I went out there to thank them and I smelled what's coming from there. I am going to preach so fast. And for those getting baptized, it's down, it's up. We're done. Okay? There is meat. Are we on the same wavelength today? They're not doing that because of just the love for meat. Why Jesus? Let me get back to our first point. So I read to you that passage. The first point is the importance of foundations. Foundations are crucial. We have a beautiful new building. Not here. I mean, we're, we're dressing this thing up. We have a beautiful new, new building, fourth tallest skyscraper in the city. It's called the Millennial Tower. It ain't going to last a thousand years, folks. It's sinking. It has sunk 17 inches since 2009. It has tilted 14 inches since 2009. Can you imagine if you bought an apartment there on spec as you watched all the prices go down, except for people who like to be dizzy? You've probably seen the videos where people put a marble on the floor and it just starts rolling. Isn't it crazy what we put our lives into? There have been so many people that have worked so hard here this week. They didn't do it so that we could have new walls or new tables or, or clean things. They did it because of their love for Christ and for the celebration of what we're doing today. 
Because Christ is our foundation. What's the difference between the the Millennium Tower and Christ? What we make foundational in our lives often doesn't hold up, does it? Listen to this statement. We live in a world where people's foundations break, bend, and burn out all the time. There are those who have amassed great wealth only to be so completely unsatisfied that they take their lives. How often do we hear from celebrity after celebrity who have reached the apex, the pinnacle of what they thought was going to satisfy them, and their foundation is all built on something that can be gone in an instant. There are so many people, and maybe there's some here today, that it's all about our health, right? You have, you have 18 seasons of Dr. Oz chronicled on your DVR. You're going to the gym at 4.30 in the morning. You're eating quinoa until you turn green. And yet suddenly you find out that you have thyroid cancer. What is your foundation? Because the way that I see the world around me, and one of the reasons I ask this question, why Jesus, is that we live in a world where people's foundations break, bend, and burn out. Why Jesus? Why make Jesus my foundation? Because he has followed through with every single thing he said he would do. Everything he said he would do even the most impossible. That's why I make Jesus my foundation. Paul states that Jesus is the only foundation to be built on. Why? Well, that brings us to our second point. I told you I'm moving fast today. By the way, let me, let me back this up real quick. 1 Corinthians 3.14 gives us an understanding about the foundations. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, guess what? he'll receive a reward. How's your 401k doing? How's your property values? You're, you nervous? Are you nervous? How many were living here in 2008, 2009, 2010? Are you nervous? I know a lot of people that lost their homes, but their foundation was in Jesus Christ, and they're doing just fine. I know some people that lost everything And their lives are a reflection of that. Because that was their foundation. You see, Paul gives a nugget of wisdom here we should hold to so tightly. We should cling to it. And that is, in the end, if what we have built on is on a strong foundation, it will what? It'll sink 17 inches. It'll tilt 14. It'll last. Why Jesus? Because if I build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, what I build will last. All this work we did, for all those people that did it, I hate to tell you, it's going to get dirty, it's going to get marked up, those tables are going to break eventually. All of this is going to break, bend, or burn out. But not those relationships and not the joy we shared in Christ this week. That's one of the reasons we set our foundation, the importance of foundations. Next, the details are in the contract. The details are in the contract. So this passage is is a key passage, and this is the famous passage where Jesus is speaking to Martha. Lazarus, his friend, has died. Jesus is late. 
That is not permission for you to be late on a Sunday morning. Or for your pastor to be late. Jesus was late because it was a divine appointment. He had to be late, if you study the story. But the damage had been done. Lazarus passed away. So Martha comes up, and what does she say? Why, Jesus? Have you been there? Have you been there? The details are in the contract. You see, this is the passage where Jesus says Jesus, or the scripture says Jesus what? Wept. He wept because we had to go through that suffering because Mary and Martha and the families of, the, of Lazarus and the friends of Lazarus were suffering. And Jesus saw that. That was a result. We've already prayed about that today. That's a result of sin. Lazarus had to go through that in order to be an example, a typology of what Christ was about to do. Did the people really believe? What does he say? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet... Shall he what? He live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? There's a contract there, folks. There's a contract that he just handed to Martha. And at the very end of the contract, he says, Do you believe this? Can I just ask you, according to the contract, what happened to Lazarus? Rose again. So when Jesus says, when he gives you a guarantee... And he says, I am the one that controls life. Do you believe? When you ask the question, why Jesus, you want to make sure there's some good guarantees in the contract. This Jesus follows through with what the contract says. I was sharing with uh, my dad last night one of the great stories within our family. And it has to do with my missing member this morning, Jericho. I took her at the age of nine. We had to get a new car because the old one had broken down. And I went over to Hilltop Ford and was looking at a different car. And the salesman came up to us. And along and the short of it, we sat at a table. You know what that means. Before we started to sit at the table, I put my big, heavy leather jacket on this nine-year-old spry little girl and said, you are in charge today. Today you learned what it's like to deal with a car salesman. And so I gave her all the prep work and all of this and all of that and all the others. And sure enough, as we're sitting there, her eyes are really big. And, and they've run through their, their two-time bait-and-switch. We're on our third person, the supposed manager who can really give us the deal, right? By the way, if you're in car sales, I love you. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> so he says, let me go check with my supervisor to see if we can get to this number. And I said... Don't come back unless you can get to that number, because that number is solid. I can just guarantee you that number is solid. So he leaves, and I turn to Jericho, and I said, Now, Jericho, sweetheart, you're in charge. She loves hearing that. <laughs> I said, Now all negotiations go through you. Here's your contract. And I, I wrote down the number. I said, This is the number, sweetheart. That's it. And when he asks you, and when he comes back, I'm going to tell him you're in charge of negotiations. And when he tries to con you, and when he tries to sell you, and when he tries to, tries to get you to bite, whatever you say yes to, I'm committed. Don't say yes. Just slide this number. Look him straight in the eye and slide this number across the table. The man comes back, and he sits down, and he starts to engage with me. I said, oh, hold on, hold on. I said, I'm out. 
kind of like what you guys did. I'm taking my lesson from you. And now she's in charge. And he just looks at her and she, he says something like, sweetheart, you look so great today. You're just, a, you're just a blossom or something. I don't know. And then he turns back to me and I said, oh, no, you don't get it. She really is in charge. If you ever want to confuse a car salesman, do that. He had no idea what to do. And so the first thing he says, you can bet on it, the first thing he says, sweetheart, did you see that DVD player in there? Daddy didn't train no fool. My daughter looked at me with a glimmer in her eye, and she looked him straight in the face. She took the piece of paper, and she says, this is our offer. My daddy taught me not to impulse buy. It gets better. He sat there with his jaw on the ground. He still remembers it to this day because she not only navigated that number, she navigated or, or negotiated four new tires and a lifetime of oil changes. Every time I go and get my car changed oil, I walk to that window at the dealer. You know that window where you just feel the pain and the hit. And I, every time, I just go get oil changes every week just so I can experience this. Because they hand me that piece of paper and it says zero. And that's on a contract. Jesus, why Jesus? Because he followed through with what was in the contract. And he bought you a deal you can't refuse. Amen? Next. Credentials are incomparable. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 6. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, more of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Paul goes on to explain, and He appeared to me as well. What are His credentials? He claimed that he would be crucified for the sins of mankind. He claimed that he was God. By the way, you have other references here where God recognizes him. The high priest recognizes his claims that he is God. But Paul says to the people, look, this is what he said he would do. He did it. He did the impossible. He carries heavy credentials. Why are you invested in what you're invested in? Why do you have the foundation you have if it breaks, it bends, or it burns out? Because my Jesus followed through with the contract and his credentials are stellar. Amen? Amen. Last point. It's a record. The quality of craftsmanship is guaranteed. I hope you're seeing the, what we're doing here, right? Build. You're catching the, the illustration. 1 Corinthians 3, 14, 15. So back to the original text. And Paul says this, If the work that anyone has built on, the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. We've heard that one, but listen to the next part. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. What does this mean? It means that you can even have a foundation of Jesus Christ but if you don't lean on that foundation, if you don't build on that foundation, all the work you are doing isn't going to survive in the end. That's why we have these lights. My question to you today is, do you trust the quality of the craftsmanship? 
it's guaranteed. Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship. That he has created good works before the creation of the world to do in him. Philippians 1.6 says what? You can finish it for me. Anybody? He, yes, well done. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. To complete it. I don't have time to go through all the other sections, but look at those on your own. When Jesus is working, truly working, without resistance, there is an unmistakable difference. Our baptisms today are going to be evidence of it. Don't leave. I have to leave. I have to change. And we're going to bring in our children in just a minute, and they're going to be the last group that you're going to see of what God is building here. This morning we're going to celebrate them. So my question to you in closing is, why Jesus? Great question. Why Jesus? Number one, because he's the firm foundation. Number two, the details are in the contract, and the contract is good. Number three, his credentials are incomparable. Number four, the quality of craftsmanship is guaranteed. He who has begun the good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Why Jesus? Because there's too much at stake to go with the competition. Think about the opening salvo here. Why Jesus? Because the competition breaks, bends, or burns out ultimately. Let me share you some pictures that were given to me last night in closing. What are you building on? What I'm about to show you was the culmination of a week that I hope I don't live again anytime soon in certain levels. If I ever order anything off the internet again, someone should kick me in the head. I have dealt with shipping problems nonstop all week. And I have to keep going back to the Lord and being reminded what is important. Brothers and sisters, this, this is important. If we had no tables, we'd pull out claws and we'd have a picnic on, on, on the wood or on the grass. We'd make it happen. But the thing that's going to happen, the foundation of our service today is Jesus Christ. The foundation of what we're doing is to exalt Him. All other things are gravy. Why Jesus? Because as I finished writing that skit at 2 o'clock, I came in here at 2.15, handed it off, and rehearsed with Scott on two songs, and at 2.30... I sat and rehearsed the skit, and at 2.55, I had to leave to go pick up my family, and CJ walks through the back door, and he says, your tables are here. I had a whole crew of people lined up at 10 a.m. to put these tables together. This was the worst news I could have received all week, because I spent four days on the phone, begging, praying, screaming, I need those tables, and they never came. And I prayed. Honestly, I prayed. And then when CJ told me, I just laughed. And I said, this is cruel irony, Lord. I get it. My foundation is you. Let go of the tables. We'll do I gave the truck driver a big hug. I gave him some water and food from the kitchen. He was my best friend for about 10 minutes. Ron happened to just be standing here, having finished his skit. And I said, Ron, I got to go. And then about 8 o'clock, I started receiving these pictures. 
Some of these people have been here for 14, 15, 20 hours this week working. And they came back. Does it look like they're sad? They put those together with loving kindness. Why? Because they want to see tables put together? No, that's inconvenient. Don't call me up last minute and tell me you need some tables put together. Call me up because as a friend, you need the opportunity for others to be Christ-like and to step in. And I will guarantee you, some of those people were around me the previous 48 hours. I guarantee you they did that to relieve my stress. And so you'd have a place to sit. Why Jesus? Because it's Jesus that causes that kind of love and sacrifice. That's why. Let me close in prayer, and then we're going to have our children come up, and then we're going to have a baptism. So we're going to have a closing song so you can stand, stretch. But uh, let me pray over you right now. Father, we pray that when we ask this question, why Jesus? We come back to the understanding that what he put out on the contract was an impossibility, but he followed through. His credentials are incredible. That when we build on those other things in life, they tend to bend, they tend to break, they tend to burn out. And yet when we build on Jesus Christ, I personally can give a test to this Father that it is that centrality and that confidence of your Son in my life that helps me walk through the valley of the shadow of death and to give praise in the midst of all the challenges in life. I pray for each person here today that when they ask this question, why Jesus, they turn to you, they seek you, and they do not come up wanting but their answer is in front of them and they follow that answer. To you be all glory, Father. Amen.